Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. I wanted to take the time that we have this morning just to sit with what has happened this past week and ask a familiar question to those who have been around Vineyard Cleveland for any length of time that we kind of center our hearts around here at the church. This question of like, where is the kingdom in all of this? Where is the kingdom in this? In this past week, I, like many of you, sat and watched uh, the events of the Capitol um, building unfold this past week. And I, like many of you, uh, probably were th- thinking and just in, in sheer disbelief over what was happening and not being really able to trust what my eyes saw. Could this really be happening right now in real time in America? And just in sheer disbelief and, and I, like many of you, share a sense of sadness now after uh, in the wake of Wednesday's events and just everything that has come out since then. And And so I wanted to take the time we had this morning and process what it looks like as a Jesus follower in our day and age, here in our nation and in America, what does it look like to respond to something like that? Because no doubt our hearts are in a million different places. There's a documentary film called called The Social Dilemma, which says that our, our, we're moving away from a shared sense of reality together. All of us moving at the same time away from one another. The irony of that statement in and of itself. We're all making the same move, and the move is away from a shared sense of reality. And that was no more clear than the events of this past week. And then the events following the, um, the attack on the Capitol of, of news outlets from both sides. And it's interesting to note the, the coverage of, of each of the media outlets was so different in the way that the, the, um, the attack was played out. And then um, throwing more fuel on the fire, well then uh, you can't trust what you see on this news outlet. And, and that news outlet only says this because they want this agenda. And pretty soon you've got people wondering, where is truth in all of this? Where is truth in all of this? Whose voice can we trust? This is a significant time in in the history of our nation, and it's a significant time for the church, for the people of Jesus. And so we're going to sit with what's happened and we're going to speak to what I believe is the problem and we're going to move forward with a sense of hope and peace and healing and really dig into God's word because if we want to know where truth is, truth is in a person. His name is Jesus and he's given us his word, the Bible. As a guide, he's given us his word for such a time as this. 
And so when we look at where the problem lies with what's happened this past week and everybody playing the blame game, this was the problem. No, this was the problem without any Bible thumping going on whatsoever. Can I just speak plainly to you and to me that the problem is sin. The problem is sin. The problem is me. The problem is I. The problem is selfishness. The problem is sin. And just acknowledge that today. That what we've witnessed over the past year, what we've witnessed over the past week is also a problem of allegiance. The problem is also one of of giving lesser voices than the voice of God prominence over the voice of God. The problem is sin. The problem is allegiance. And if you claim Jesus here this morning, your allegiance, as we've been saying here at Vineyard Cleveland, lies with no other person than the person of the son of David, Jesus Christ. Your allegiance does not belong to any political party. No matter who you affiliate yourself with, no matter who you identify with, on which side of the aisle, if you are a Christian, a Christ one, if you are a follower of Jesus, your allegiance lies squarely with Jesus Christ. And I don't think that that can be overstated enough in these times. You know, in Genesis, Abraham replied, Genesis 20, the scriptures say this, Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. I wonder how many of us, as we watch the events of this past week unfold, echoed Abraham's words. I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. And in fact, this news media outlet fact-checking that news media outlet and then that news media outlet counter-attacking and firing blame and placing blame and in the words. Today, be, I appeal to you, I, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, watch out. Be on your guard for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Watch out. Be on your guard for those who cause divisions. Watch out. Be on your guard for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. I wonder how many of us felt like there were obstacles that were placed in front of truth this past week. Words matter. Words from leaders matter significantly. And ideas have consequences. And bad ideas have really bad consequences. Yeah, beware of the man or woman who has big ideas. Gosh. 
Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, contrary to the teaching that Jesus is our supreme leader, that Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection, his raising from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, alone has the supremacy. Who else can we turn to but you, Jesus? For you have the words of life. You hold the keys of life and death in your hands and you have conquered death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus is our supreme leader. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Jesus is the truth. He alone holds our destiny and our allegiance is to him as followers of Jesus. Yeah, people are starving for truth. And in these times, it's important for us, church, to be looking for where Jesus' peace is and then moving forward as peacemakers. We're called as followers of Jesus to be peacemakers, to walk in the way of peace. As Ben shared in communion, that, this, is a, this is a marker of the church. If the church is known for anything, she should be known for the marker of peace that's upon her. And so it's confusing to our eyes when we see signs on the steps of the Capitol building while it's being stormed and a police officer is being killed and a protester or mob or whoever is being killed and there's violence being done. It's confusing to our eyes. It should be confusing to our eyes, followers of Jesus, when we see signs that say Jesus saves on the steps of the Capitol building where there's no peace anywhere there. Peace is a marker of who the church is called to be and we are called to be peacemakers in this moment. In Philippians 3.20, we're given a deeper insight into what it means to be a peacemaker, what it means to identify with Jesus and give him our allegiance only. Paul writes in Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that your citizenship is in the United States. It doesn't say that you await a president. It says that your citizenship, my citizenship, if we claim Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. And we await a savior. His name's Jesus. Our citizenship is in heaven. In fact, you belong to a new nation. Do you know this morning, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus in America this morning, there is no old glory that you're meant to reclaim, that you're meant to renew, that you're meant to reestablish in America to today. That is called nativism. That's called nationalism and has nothing to do with following Jesus. Because in the word of God, we're told that our citizenship belongs to Jesus. Our citizenship is in heaven. You're part of a new nation, we're told. You're part of a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. That nation is called the kingdom of God. And it's wherever his rule or reign comes. We just went over through the Advent season 
this wonderful prophecy of who Jesus will be when he hits the scene in the New Testament and when he comes back for his people. And we're given this picture of who he is, all these descriptors of who he is. And he's called the Prince of Peace, the authority of all peace. Not just some figurehead or not some lesser political figure, but the authority of all peace. And we're said that of the increase of his peace and of his government, of his kingdom, of the increase, there will be no end. It will just keep increasing the peace of Jesus as you allow the peace of Jesus to penetrate your heart and your life. And as he shapes and transforms our life, it should look less violent. It should look less sinful. It should look more forgiving. It should look more loving. It should look more repentant. It should look, our lives should look more compassionate and empathetic, not less. Because of the increase of his peace and his government, there will be no end. It should be ever expansive in our lives. Ever expansive in our lives to the increase of Jesus' peace and his government, his rule and reign, there will be no end. We're called to be those who walk in the way of peace. In fact, in the night, that, the night before, the hours before Jesus was to go to be crucified when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. In fact, his followers wanted to, to take Jesus' message and, and flip it on its head and interpret it their own way. And it came to Peter drawing a sword and, and slicing off the ear of one who would come to arrest Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, put away your sword, man. Am I here to start a rebellion? Nah. Am I here to start an insurrection? Nah. You don't understand the kingdom if you're drawing swords to cut off the ears of those who you think are against you. Jesus says, no. That just shows you, you don't know about the kingdom that I'm bringing yet. The kingdom I'm bringing puts swords away. The kingdom that I represent, the kingdom, the rule and reign that I am heals and puts ears back on faces, not tears and slices them down, not causes violence, but brings healing and reconciliation and forgiveness and compassion and empathy. Put your swords away. Put your swords away. Now we see politicians on either side of the aisle now calling towards a higher ideal or a higher ethics, but it's still in the name of patriotism, is it not? And what we're saying, how we're different in the church, is we're saying that's great for you to say. But the only place that we're going to find these higher ideals or higher ethics, listen, this is all to say, to say it in a negative way, this is all a veneer of what's really going on underneath. And what's really going on underneath is that there will be no government solution to the violence that happened this past week. And if we're waiting on that, we're misplacing our hope. Our hope is not to be in an earthly, situ- in an earthly solution. 
but our hope is to be in a person. Our hope is to be in the person of Jesus. And on and on it continues on both sides of the aisle and on the endless and infinite uh, comment sections of every social media site. On and on it goes. Back and forth we go. The fan, fanning the flames back and forth. All the while, Jesus is standing by saying, why won't you turn to me? Why do we turn to the comment section? Does the comment section on some social media site have the power to raise the dead? Does the comment section or the status section have any power to really get life transformation? No. You're not going to find resurrection life in the comment section. So what am I saying? Just give up and never comment on anything? I don't know. Maybe that's for you. Maybe, that, maybe that's what you need to do. Yeah, that's, that's b- between you and the Lord. But as for me, I know that there's no resurrection life in the comments section for me. Now, in the comments section of this stream, perhaps there could be some resurrection life. You could go ahead and write some words of peace in the comments section, even as you're, as you're watching the stream this morning, that Jesus reigns, that his kingdom is coming. I wonder what would happen if we changed the trajectory, if we changed the narrative, the conversation, because that's what's really at stake here. That's what we see happening, is that one side tries to own the narrative, and then the next side, try, the other side, tries to own the narrative and throws blame and throws blame and this is our story and so the victor tells the story and what Jesus is saying is that you guys this isn't even what the story is about that Jesus owns the narrative when it's all said and done Jesus kingdom will come and this story the one that we're living in is about him It's not about everything else. This story is about Jesus and the way way we are headed is towards his kingdom and his rule and reign. The grand story is about Jesus. That's who owns the narrative. That's who owns the narrative. And we're called to be peacemakers. Started to, to finish up here and um, head into the, the territory of hope and healing. So what does hope and, and healing look like? You know, I was struck this week by, um, by a verse out of Hebrews. In Hebrews 6.9, if you wanted to turn with me and maybe even underline this in your Bible. Because I really sense this, this one and the next scripture I'll share with us this morning as we close here in, in five minutes or so. Really uh, significantly this week. In Hebrews 6.19, we read this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters through the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. There's some temple kind of language, and I don't want to focus on that too much. But what I do want to focus on is the security and the firmness and steadiness of the hope 
that is given to us through the person of Jesus. In times like this, when everything seems shaken, when these very formative things that we've been taught since we're two, three years old, growing up in the United States, things that we never thought maybe would happen, or things that have been reinforced throughout grade school and in middle school and high school and college and in adult life, these things that are reinforced, these messages about who we are and how we identify and how we're different or how we might be unique to all other nations, these things that are implied. All of these things, what we've experienced this week, are shaky, are man-made, are fragile, And what Paul says in the New Testament, or the writer of Hebrews says, is that our hope is not to be placed in these things, but our hope is to be placed in a person, in the person of Jesus. And in the person of Jesus, we can trust him with our lives. We can trust Jesus with our lives. And so where is healing for us? Again, many of you have had this verse on your hearts and your thoughts this past week and for a number of years, but I want to challenge us to hear this verse in a different context. You know, a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus in the United States will use this exact verse to defend their position. And I want to challenge you to hear this verse this morning anew and fresh. I want to challenge you to sit with this scripture, not as a way to defend your own position with whatever political ideal that you choose to follow. I want to challenge you really squarely on this one, that as we read this passage, to hear it from the voice of the Lord, to not insert your own voice in order to defend your political position. This is 2 Chronicles 7.14. Listen to this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face in turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Let's sit for a minute with the words of Scripture, the words of God to us. And let's not try to defend our own political position just for a moment. Can we do that? To, to just try to stay away from like, oh, you see there? That means that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, then we'll have healing. If we'll just pray, then all of those dirty liberals will come to Jesus. Or, or, man, if we just humble ourselves and we turn, from, uh, we turn from our wicked ways, if all of those Republicans over there would just see the light and wake up that they're being lied to, can we get past all of that? Can we move forward from defending our own position, position and just hearing the voice of Jesus over our country in these times? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will will hear them from heaven 
and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's take a minute and just be silent together. You know, as we close this morning, Jonathan's going to come and lead us in, in worship response. And I want to challenge some of you. There may be some of you watching who have yet come into a relationship with God. And, and some of the stuff that you've seen over the past week may have turned you off like severely to Christianity. I want to speak to you and say that's not who Jesus is. And I want to speak an encouragement to you to give your heart to God. He's, he's our hope and he's our peace in unsteady times. And he can give you the peace that you need in this moment, culturally, personally, beyond any sort of understanding. He can give you peace in this moment. And that peace that Jesus offers, the hope that Jesus offers is firm and secure. It'll be like an anchor. Jesus will be like an anchor for your soul. And it's because of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And so I want to invite you into a prayer. And you can use your own words. It doesn't have, it's not like a form of uh, formulaic prayer, but use your own words. And just know as you pray, just talking with God, as you reach for him, know that he's already been reaching for you. He reaches out to you and he loves you. And you just picture your heart and your life before God. And you just say, God, I love you. I believe, Jesus, that you are who you say you are. And things don't make sense right now in our world. It just seems like madness. And God, a lot of the things that you do don't make sense. And you just say to God, God, I'm not really here for answers. I'm here for relationship. I want to know you. And then if you're praying something like that, just pray, Lord, I'm sorry for the ways that I've hurt you. I'm sorry for the ways that I've hurt others around me. Will you forgive me? And then just picture something like a door on your heart and just open the door of your life and say, come Jesus, come God and live inside of me and fill me with your life, fill me with your hope, 
and your peace. Make me new. Make me a new creation. Make me a new person. Change my life, God. I welcome, just tell him I welcome you. Just everything you want to do in my life, I welcome you. And this is the good news, is that his kingdom, his rule and reign is coming and has just come to your life. If you're praying this, you are a new creation. If you prayed that with me, his kingdom has come to you. You're set free. Free to live a life of peace. As we respond in worship, I want to challenge you to lift your hearts to God and ask him to search your heart, to search your life for any allegiances that would be laying anywhere else other than the person of Jesus. And ask Jesus to speak into those places as I'll be doing the same with you. Lord, show me blind spots. Show me, show me where my allegiances are um, misplaced. Because I want my allegiance to line up with your goodness. I know that when my heart is aligned with you, God, that goodness isn't far away. Let's worship together.